is she? Shana, the Jungle Queen. Hello, true believers. My name is Mark Sweeney, and this is the latest Shanna Showcase, a podcast where I'm going over the most significant solo appearances of everyone's favorite Jungle Queen, Marvel Comics' Shanna the She-Devil. In past episodes, I covered the entirety of her five-issue solo series from 1972 to 73, and I followed her into the pages of... Kazar, where she met the bruiser who will one day become her husband. We'll next see Shanna in the pages of streaming video star Daredevil, where the plot threads from her short-lived series will continue to play out. Now, strangely, this particular episode will barely feature Shanna, as there's a bit of relevant setup needing to happen to get some of the characters involved with Shanna's business. So I'll be looking this time at Daredevil number 109, and Marvel 2-in-1, number 3. Both of these from May 1974. Now, on the surface, it may not seem to make as much sense for Shanna to be popping up in Daredevil as it does for her to show up in... uh, Khazar, as even though I'm not the biggest Khazar fan, I've gotta admit, the two barely-clad jungle types seem to have at least a little bit in common. The Daredevil connection comes through writer Steve Gerber, who'd been at the very least co-writing Shanna since her very first issue and had been writing Daredevil for a little bit at this point. Gerber was obviously not through with the plans he'd been making at the tail end of Shanna's series and found a way to work these things into about a half a year's worth of Daredevil issues. Before I dive into the first issue, just a brief recap from Shanna's perspective. Shanna O'Hara's been kicking poachers' butts in Africa for a few years after leaving the civilized world behind, after a couple traumatic events in her life. She hadn't seen her father, who years before accidentally shot and killed Shanna's mother in in quite some time. But she'd recently become aware that Gerald O'Hara had been taken prisoner by a would-be mutant conqueror, the Mandrill, leader of a cult of hate made up of dozens of female diehards. The high priestess of this cult, a fellow mutant named Necra, sought revenge on Shanna for having defeated the now in-shield custody Mandrill. Shanna, though unable to rescue her father, laid a beaten on Necra in the last issue of her series, but was immediately whisked away by, yes, giant pterodactyls who carried her into the first two issues of Khazar, where she pretty much led the brute to victory by hand over some no good Nick who had some shady plans in store for the Savage Land. Shanna swung temporarily out of the Jungle Lord's life and into the adventures I'm about to cover. Daredevil number 109 is by the team of Steve Gerber writer, Bob Brown penciler, Don Heck inker, Artie Simek letterer, Petra Goldberg colorist, Roy Thomas editor, and Gil Kane cover artist. Apart from Bob Brown and Gil Kane, all of these names have thus far worked on Shanna at some point. The issue opens in New York with old Hornhead facing off against some costume goons from some organization called Black Spectre. Goons cover their escape with some important currency printing plates with a gas grenade. Some military guards show up assuming that Daredevil and C-list villain the Beetle lying unconscious at Dee Dee's feet are responsible for the theft. The Beetle surprises everyone gathered by taking off, but Daredevil, trying to salvage some victory, gives chase. The two tussle across the rooftops, and 
The beetle manages to finally escape only by threatening pedestrians on the street below with falling debris. Daredevil has to let the chub go in order to save the civilians. Sometime later, Matt Murdock, as Daredevil goes by when he's wearing real clothes, visits friend and partner Foggy Nelson, who's convalescing in hospital after being attacked by Black Spectre. While the two review some photos Matt has brought, well, I guess Foggy's reviewing, because of course Matt can't see. Uh, anyway, these photos are of previous Black Spectre capers, mostly the defacement of national monuments like Hitler being carved into Mount Rushmore, a swastika put atop the Washington Monument, and stuff like that. Each photo shows a tiny aircraft in the distance, so Foggy would like these photos blown up, thinking the details of the aircraft may provide some clue not only to the printing plate's whereabouts, but maybe will lead to shutting down Black Spectre for good. A nurse interrupts their conversation to report a Wall Street riot. Someone is throwing armfuls of money off of rooftops. Thinking this somehow related to the matters at hand, Matt rushes off to investigate, but not before bumping into Candace Nelson, Foggy's sister, who asks him out to a play the next evening. Now, I haven't ever seen the art team of Brown and Heck work together before. Uh, it's a pretty nice pairing where you can tell exactly uh, what's been advertised, Heck inking Brown. But this page with the Matt Candace exchange seems like it's pure Don Heck, so I'm not sure if there were any time constraints that led to Heck maybe doing more than his fair share. Who knows? According to Comic Book DB, it looks like this was sort of a transition issue art wise, as Heck had penciled the previous few and Brown would go on to pencil most of the issues for the next couple of years. Any Daredevil experts out there with anything to add about the art at this time? Anyway, Matt accepts Candace's invite and proceeds to get his devil gear on in a nice two-page spread which details the costume and billy club. As Daredevil swings out toward the riot, we're taken to the rooftops of San Francisco, until recently the home of Daredevil. There, star of the silver screen, the Black Widow meditates on her recently broken relationship with the Man Without Fear. She attempts a swing from one rooftop to another, but her line is broken by none other than Necra, the Priestess of Hate. Seems like S.H.I.E.L.D. couldn't hold on to her after Shanna pretty much gift-wrapped the villain in the last issue of her series. Necra gives the Widow exactly one chance to join Black Spectre, with whom Necra is now apparently aligned. The Widow, of course, refuses, and unfortunately ends up on the short end of Necker's great strength. The Priestess of Hate takes the unconscious widow over her shoulder and approaches a mysterious aircraft in the distance. Back in New York, Daredevil is witness to quite a scene, a greedy mob being showered with thousands of hundred-dollar bills. The money's being thrown from a rooftop onto the streets below by a couple of black specter goons. A couple more are filming the prank. Daredevil grabs a fistful of bills to judge their authenticity. Using his super senses, he can see that they seem real, and he struggles with the conundrum of whether they're, because they've been printed on government plates, they're real counterfeit or counterfeit real bills. Daredevil tears into the goons who say they've been expecting him. They offer Daredevil the same opportunity to join Black Spectre that Black Widow got, Dee Dee gives the group their second refusal of the day as he begins to notice something strange about these uniformed thugs. Something about their fighting style, their grace. They don't weigh as much as they appear. Could it be that he's been in this dust-up with an army of...
Just then, the battle is interrupted by the appearance of the beetle, out for revenge on Black Spectre for making off with the printing plates that he coveted. Daredevil gladly accepts the help, and the two rout the escaping Spectrons, as they call themselves. Doesn't take long for the beetle to dissolve their partnership as he belts Daredevil and makes off with a claw full of cash. Duty wakes up to the face of San Francisco Police Commissioner Robert O'Hara. Hmm, that name, O'Hara. Who'd had a previous association with Daredevil when he operated in that city. He's in New York to help track down Black Spectre, as he explains to Foggy and Matt the next day, as they're responsible for the death of his brother Gerald O'Hara. The group review the blown-up images of the monument defacement and see that the tiny aircraft is a dirigible, and wonder why, in 1973, this group would use such a thing. Offering to shed light on the whole situation on the last panel of the book is, surprise, Shanna the She-Devil. Upon her dramatic entrance, with her super slim waist, wow, it doesn't even look healthy, and her pet leopards, Ina and Beery, she establishes that Gerald O'Hara, her father and Robert's brother, had been murdered by the mysterious person behind the Black Spectre. This is to be continued not only in the next issue of Daredevil, but in Marvel 2-in-1 number 3, which I'll be talking about momentarily. I love in this last panel how the appearance of Shanna and the Leopards causes Robert O'Hara's cigar to fall right out of his mouth. Aww. Now, as far as I know, the murder of Gerald O'Hara happened totally off-panel because in Shanna's last appearance, she plans to still locate her missing father. I don't own the previous issue of Daredevil, so I don't know if anything about this is mentioned there, but I was a little disappointed when first reading this issue to see this pretty major development for Shanna not being depicted on the comics page. Didn't take too much away from my enjoyment of this particular issue, however. Daredevil has always been one of my favorite Marvel characters. Uh, but apart from this short Black Spectre run of stories, I don't, I don't know much about this period. Felt like I was coming in in the middle of a story, which I was, but Gerber does a good job of getting a new reader like me up to speed. And speed we will into the next issue covered in this episode, Marvel 2-in-1 number 3, starring The Thing and Daredevil. Marvel 2-in-1 was a fairly long-running team-up book following in the wake of the popular Marvel team-up, which starred Spider-Man and a never-changing parade of guest stars. Marvel 2-in-1 was the Fantastic Four's Thing's opportunity to share the spotlight with the guest star of the month. Steve Gerber was the writer getting the series off the ground, so it was a natural place for his Black Spectre epic to spill over into. The rest of the credit box for this issue reads Sal Buscema, penciler, longtime Fantastic Four anchor Joe Sinnott, Dave Hunt, letterer, Petra Goldberg, colorist, Roy Thomas, editor, and Gil Kane, once again, cover artist. The issue opens in the Fantastic Four's Baxter Building Lab, where The Thing and Mr. Fantastic are running some tests on some some mook no one really cared about called Wondar. Wondar is some sort of cosmic humanoid who occasionally blows up, which he proceeds to do, sending debris from the Baxter Building out into the rooftops. Sending debris from the Baxter Building out onto the rooftops of nearby buildings who happens to be swinging by, but Daredevil, who wonders if the explosion is another Black Spectre attack. Narrowly missed by a chunk of Baxter building, and 
getting confirmation from a traffic cop that it was indeed the Fantastic Four's headquarters that blew up, Daredevil decides to pay the Fantastic Four a visit, not only to give Reed a piece of his mind, but to retrieve his billy club, which should still be dangling somewhere up there. Met at the top by the thing, Daredevil is able to retrieve his most common method of rooftop transportation, which he uses to swing by the New York pad of Shanna O'Hara. I guess she never really gave it up before relocating to Africa. Dee Dee is there, quote-unquote, at the request of Matt Murdock to hear her story. And it's here, I guess, where we get the on-panel explanation of Gerald O'Hara's death. Shanna claims her father was murdered in Africa by people after his wealth. She'd received a letter from a Dahomey Reserve Warden, the absolutely useless Patrick McShane for long-time Shanna readers, claiming that her father's body had been found in Cape Town. Now, a little aside, I looked up the Dahomey Reserve, and I guess it's a real place, but it's in Mississippi. Go figure. Apparently, O'Hara's will said that all of his diamond money would go to a Hensley Fargus, who Shanna believes to be an alias of her enemy, the Mandrill. She thinks that her inheritance is somehow funding Black Spectre, but has so far been unable to prove it. Daredevil leaves the apartment not quite trusting Shanna, thinking she knows more than she's letting on. I'll say she's acting strange. It's not really like her to sit on her hands while others are out adventuring on her behalf. But again, it's not her name on the cover either. That evening, Daredevil, or Matt Murdock, I guess, meets up with Candace Nelson for their playdate. Play there to see is called America Shall Endure, which Candace describes as an avant-garde pro-patriotism work play, which I want to get right out of the way, is a Black Spectre production, and it's pretty shocking even for a mid-1970s Marvel comic. It involves an actor dressed up as a slave, berating the Statue of Liberty, then getting beaten up by a, another actor portraying Captain America, who's then shot, actually shot and killed, by an Adolf Hitler lookalike who in turn blows his own brains out. Not at all an ideal beginning to a first date. The Adolf Hitler suicide finale causes the audience to panic and flee the theater in fear, which a shocked Matt uses to give Candace the slip so he can slip into his Daredevil costume. Dee Dee swings into action and catches a glimpse of a black specter goon. Chasing and subduing the goon, Daredevil is hit from behind by a familiar-looking braceleted arm, and he can just make out the figure of the Black Widow as she escapes into the Black Spectre dirigible. Distraught that his ex-partner now seems to be working for the bad guys and desperate for a way to give chase, Daredevil thinks of the nearby Fantastic Four and their Fantasticar. In the Baxter building, the Thing catches a glimpse of Daredevil swinging by and catches up to him just as he's about to make off with the strangely accessible Fantasticar. To get into a little tussle about the borrowing of the Fantastic Four's equipment, but after a quick explanation from Daredevil, the thing is ready to dive into this little adventure himself. The Fantastic Car catches up to the dirigible, which is discovered not to be gas-filled at all, but a solid metal aircraft. The thing punches his way in and lets the gathered group of Spectran goons, Necra, and the Black Widow 
lets them know what time it is. It's clobbering time. Getting double teamed by Necker and the Black Widow, which I'm sure is someone's idea of a good time. The thing rips open a huge metal door to reveal an interior jungle scene complete with huge mandrill statue and hooded specter boss. Meanwhile, Daredevil fights his way through some spectrum fodder, but is ultimately subdued by Necra and the Black Widow, whose slow speech and tear-filled eyes suggest hypnotism. This theory is borne out by the Thing, who rips away the big boss's mask, and the unseen face of the mysterious cult leader causes the Thing to go stone still, the next victim of this strange hypnotism. The Thing and Daredevil are ordered put into the Fantasticar, and the Fantasticar to be pushed off the large aircraft, all of which is done. The two heroes plummet to certain doom, but Daredevil manages to fiddle with the controls long enough for the Thing to snap out of his whammy and land them safely. The Thing wants another crack at the bad guys, but Dee Dee says, uh-uh, from now on this is his war which we're told will continue into the pages of Daredevil number 110. Such excitement. So not so much Shanna in this Shanna showcase, but there's enough swirling around that she'll eventually be involved in. This was this was some necessary setup and really good comics to boot. And I really like the ease with which Steve Gerber is able to tell his story over a couple of different titles for something like the Matt Candace date to show up in this issue and not Daredevil, plus not seem out of place here is a testament to the tight storytelling in this epic. Now that play, I, I can't get over that play. I'm going to re reproduce those pages on the blog. I'm the gun.blogspot.com. It's so far out. Another real nasty mockery of the U.S. put on by the Black Spectre. The Sal Buscema Joe Sinnott art team is fantastic and everything you'd want from a Marvel comic. Great action, pretty ladies, nasty villains. The depiction of Daredevil was interesting. Lots of lots of black ink was used on this costume. Now no one would mistake this for a Frank Miller Daredevil story, but there are some pages and panels where Daredevil's more black than red, making him stand out from the generally bright colors of the issue. I can't wait to see where this all goes, but where it goes will be going in the next episode of Shanna Showcase. Any comments, thoughts on Shanna, Daredevil, The Thing, or even avant-garde pro-patriotism plays? Those can be left on the blog, where you'll find a link to Twitter and Tumblr. Send me an email at imthegun, I-M-T-H-E-G-U-N, at gmail.com. And check out previous episodes of Shanna Showcase on iTunes. Searching for I'm the Gun or even Shanna Podcast will get you there. So until next time, see you on the Savannah.